0: and the key lessons we've learned along the way about generating passive income. The things we discuss in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice, and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Low Rates High Returns podcast. I'm Pete Wargent. I'm here with Stephen Moriarty as always. Welcome, Steve. Morning, afternoon. So, today, good night. uh, Are you still with us, Steve? (laughs) The the perils of digital recording. (laughs) So, today, we're going to talk about managing superannuation. So, quick disclaimer up front obviously, um, we don't know when you're tuning in, we don't know anything about personal circumstances. So, we're going to talk about our own experiences of self managing our superannuation, uh, some of the potential pros and cons, whether it's cost effective, uh, but it's obviously not personal advice because we don't know who's tuning in and when. So with that disclaimer out of the way, as I've mentioned uh, before on more than one occasion, so I um, started my professional career in London where we didn't have superannuation. When I came to Australia, um, it was very hard to get excited about super because I was starting from scratch, but also Retirement was decades into the future, so I kind of just well went along with the same fund as everybody else, just tick the box and off you go. But I can remember quite clearly in the lead up to the financial crisis, a few of the people that I was working with at that time were just coming up to the retirement date, and as we've mentioned on more than one occasion, if you're taking just a a sort of a buy and hold approach. to a pension, the, the real risk or downside to that as you approach your retirement date or wealth goal is that you wake up one day and boom, there goes 35 You're or 40%. Still <laughs> <laughs> and that, well, that's exactly what happened. People have like a with that. <laughs> yeah, well, people who had uh, paid off their homes and they were all good to go with retirement, and then yeah. suddenly woke up one day and it's like, oh, looks like I'll be back in the workforce. Now, I guess you could say, um, you know, markets did recover and they eventually did in 2009 especially in H two of that year, and markets started to come back to where they were. So in the end, potentially not that much damage done, but psychologically quite big. Uh, so, th- I mean, that was a tipping point for me. I said, well, even with my relatively modest super balance, I was self-managing from then on because I just thought that I was paying fees for no value add, essentially. Yeah, tracking so- the index. Yeah, so I've been a self-manager of my superannuation ever since then. Um, So that's been my experience. In my super, I have an investment property uh, down in Victoria and stocks. um, But it's for me, because I've worked a big chunk of my career in London and then uh, I worked in Southeast Asia for a while. So I haven't really contributed all that much to my super. I still put in um, the maximum contribution today, but it's still not a big piece of the pie for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how about uh, yourself, Steve? You're a yeah, self-manager as well, I, obviously. I've
1: had mine for quite a few years. The main reason why I think I, I went to it was because it was just about the three C's that we talk about, and it, and even then it wasn't so much about the cost. It was more about the choice and control, because the more I sort of learned about stocks, the more I realised that you could invest globally, and um, you know, and do well, but it. Um, now that's not to say that you you don't have a superannuation fund that doesn't invest globally. Most of them do, um, and most balance funds have got a you know thirty to forty percent weighting into international shares, and then a lot of that is in the US. The um, the point you made earlier about you know the market crashes—they're the things that I didn't like, and they're the things that I felt that you could control that would be more beneficial than the cost of managing your super. So these days you can get a self-managed super fund, which I think is about $1,000. And I can tell you, they do most of the work. And if you run a really simple stock strategy through your super, there's hardly any paperwork. Um, I'm a bit lazy, but I did mine about six weeks ago. And I'm not kidding. It would have taken me half an hour. You know, now, I don't have an investment property in there. I, you know, I haven't got a, an elaborate trust arrangement or anything like that. It's just a straight individual super. Um, that's mainly because I'm lazy and I like simplicity. And I don't care if I pay for that by, you know, missing one or 1% or so. The thing I think is really important is the is the, the control and the choice. And the reason why is because once you get yourself any managed super fund, you really start to take more notice about what's going on if you're just paying into super you you haven't got control of it and like you say you you know like even what are we in 2020 when the market dropped 30 percent you know there would be people who didn't realize it but you would open up you know your $200,000 super goes to 150 you know if you've got a little bit in property and elsewhere you know but that's still a decent whack that you've got to climb back up to get back to your 200. And a lot of the thing that only saves you is the constantly feeding money in. And if you don't, if you stop at a point where you say, okay, now I'm retired, now I'm constantly, I'm not drip feeding or dollar cost averaging, then the argument then is, well, hang on, you got to avoid the bad bits. And if you're in a super fund that says you're in a balanced fund and we're, we're, you know, tracking the indexes and that sort of stuff 95% of the time, well, you know, you're exposing yourself to a great deal of risk.
0: Yeah, so well, it's half a dozen different points that you've introduced there. So one is sorry, something that the uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to remember But yeah. one of the uh, the things that the industry does very well is that there's definitely um, a sense that if you if you put your money into your super, it's almost like it's somebody else's responsibility. Yeah, set and forget. Something you don't have to think about too much. And of course, um, it's a big industry and it profits very handsomely from that. Absolutely, um, and people take. Some peace of mind, but at the end of the day, it is still your money, and you do you do ultimately have responsibility for it. It's good for some people who, as we've discussed in the earlier
1: podcast, it's all right for some people because some people don't care about money, and for them, that's like okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. But if you're actually interested in money, and you're interested in building wealth and stuff, then you know I would say to people. Go and get a self-managed super fund because there's nothing like skin in the game to make you go,
0: hello, I need to f- start figuring out what I'm going to do with this stuff. Yeah. And th- well, that that is one of the benefits of self-managing is that Absolutely. obviously you do really need to learn about how to manage your own money. Yep. So if you're just um, throwing the money into a fund and if they're charging you a, a decent whack for managing that fund, well, you're never really learning any skills. And um, I, th- I think it was a Taleb... Uh, quote, he's saying, Well, you, you need to ultimately learn to make money for yourself. Yeah. Because if you don't, one day you'll be relying on somebody else yeah, to well do you, it for you. You know, your book, Was It Wealthways About Kids? Yeah, that's a memorable book, obviously. Memorable
1: <laughs> book, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, top recommended 10 reading. Wealth, um, Wealthways for the Young. Google. It. For anyone who's Googling. Um, but what I mean, say, so was, you know, the thing is, we're sort of always saying, you know, like, oh, we need to teach kids about finance and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, that's a very valid point. But, you know, problem is half of the bloody parents don't know what they're doing with their superannuation. You know, like they don't I often say to people, you know, what super fund are you in? Are you in a balanced fund or a growth fund or a conservative fund? Um, let me check, you know, how much do you, you know, do you know what they're involved in that? And so really, you know, when you think that would be equivalent to saying to people, I've got an investment property. Oh, how much does it earn? I uh, don't know. Where, oh, is, where it? is it? I uh, don't know. It's a bit like, hang on. You know, do you realise this is a bulk of your future wealth, but you don't know what's going on with that because there's some, you know, someone in a in a high rise office managing it and shifting it around the globe. I mean, it's a bit. As I said, if you don't understand money and you don't care about it, that's okay. But there are a lot of people. The problem with that is the downside, as I say, with as you mentioned in the earlier, you know, where you get a a big market fall. And as you said, yeah, you can recover. I don't really like market falls, but the second part is the timing of it. You know, if you get a fall at 25, okay, no problem. You've got another 40 years. If you get a fall at 65 and it's a big
0: one, well, you know, that's a really, really life-changing event. Yeah. And that's where we've mentioned before the Kelly criterion and if you've achieved or close to achieving your wealth goal then it doesn't necessarily um, make sense to have risk on the table so one of the things that has changed over the years uh, as you mentioned there um, the ability to shift funds around from growth um, to balanced or diversified positions or whatever uh, I'm not convinced that people always do it very well they often seem to move to the balanced option after the drawdown rather than before but uh, There is more flexibility than there used to be. Now, I think um, back in the day, there used to be. I guess it was a bit self-serving, but people used to say, "Well, it's not cost-effective to self-manage until you're managing, you know, hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars." Garbage. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, I think anyway. It has changed. I think in the sense that, as you said, these days, I mean, it's not difficult in terms of compliance. Um, you know, once you've got uh, the fund, uh, the fund actually set up to self-manage. You don't need an
1: accountant to do that. You know, like a lot of people go, oh, the accountant said it's, you know, $3,000 or something like that. If you do it yourself and you just buy and sell stocks and you do indexes, which you can do through ETFs with a REIT, a property, gold, you know, a balance fund, blah, blah, blah. um, It's actually really easy to manage. And all the administrative company does for me is just sends me it every year and goes, here, tick these boxes and send it
0: back to us. Tick the boxes, send it back, and then they go, righto, we'll let you know. That's it. And it's not that hard, as you said, with a brokerage account these days. No. You, just, you download the transactions at the end of the year yeah, and yeah, yeah. job done. It's, it's effectively a tax tool. Yep. With um, a real estate investment, as you mentioned, you may well need to set up a bear trust to actually invest in property because you're not borrowing in your own name. There's actually relatively few lenders who will do that now no. because of the Banking Royal Commission that those non-standard type of loans are often the first thing to go when there's a, you know, regular, regulatory squeeze. Uh, but even then, when it comes to year-on-year compliance, I mean, there are there are a few rules that are different in property. But at the end of the day, it's twelve rental income payments right. and a few expenses. So it's all
1: pretty simple.
0: Yeah, once you're once you're set up, but there can be a cost to actually setting up in the first place. Right. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about superannuation investments and timeframes because that's one thing. Uh, I guess one of the, um, I suppose, advantages and disadvantages of super is that once the funds are in there, you can't access it until you get towards the retirement (laughs) day. Which is probably a good thing in 99% of cases. Yeah, well, that's it. It can be an advantage in the sense that it forces people to take a different time horizon. Obviously, it's a disadvantage and sometimes disheartening for younger people because it's like, well... what if I don't live till I'm 60 I might never see those things. Uh, But obviously you've got a potentially a longer time frame in mind for your self-managed super. So in my case I may not be accessing it until you know 15 years or 17 years time or whatever so obviously I can afford to take a different time frame. So so this is typically what you would call a well three or a long-term investment.
1: Timing is really really important in nearly everything that we do. Boxers win a match because of the timing of even one or two punches that changed the whole scenario. And so what I mean by that is if you get the timing right in a lot of things, in any sport you play, um, all of, in, in any investments you make, you don't have to rely so much on technique and, uh, luck. And, uh, it was Howard Mark said, you know, if you've got the right timing and aggressiveness, then you don't need much, uh, luck. Because you've done, you know, you'll benefit from tailwinds. And again, the idea with Well Three managing your own super is I, I manage mine in what I call a perpetual portfolio. And what I mean by that is, it all it is is mimicking in a way what the super fund industry or what um, the managers do already, which is to say, I'll buy an Australian index, an American index, you know, I'll buy a REIT. I'll buy gold ETF, I'll have a bond ETF, put them all together and then I just rebalance as I go through the year. Now, you, with a super fund, you can rebalance quarterly, uh, six monthly, annually. I recommend three monthly, six monthly, you have a look at it and you rebalance. That's all your super fund's doing and then they're keeping within the weighting of what they're allowed to, you know, how much money they're allowed to have in, yeah, the each, yeah, in, yeah. E- in each asset class. But I think that, the thing about that, and again, it gets back to this thing about when people say, oh, you know, it's a long-term compounder. The point is, if you buy something when it's expensive, it'll be a, quote, long-term compounder, but it won't be near as good as if you buy something really cheaply and it's a long-term compounder. And the really important bit about the, the long-term, so to speak, is it's the compounding. So, you know, as you know, if you compound at 7% every year, that's really good. But if you compound at 8 or 9 which is, you know, 1% difference, that's a huge amount over 20 or 30 years. And so, again, the ability that I like about a self-managed super fund is to say, the market's really expensive. Right, I'm pairing back my money, as I have at the moment, And i've got a lot in cash and not much in the market now people will say oh yeah but you're missing out on returns i'm not missing out on anything because if if the market crashes as it does at some point in time then i'll buy cheap so it's sort of my my uh, my thing is sort of saying right so warren buffett by holding a lot of cash is missing out uh no he's not missing out why because he knows about the market cycles Howard Mark said, you know, if you're aggressive at the right time, right? And I think that's really just because you think I'm not going to need the money for 30 years doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to it until year 29 where you go, oh, I've got a lot of money. I'll shift it, you know, because my argument is even more important for younger people who at the moment with this, you know, the, the Corona stuff that you can get 10 grand out of your super. If you said to people Okay, you can have that 10,000 now, or you can leave it there and compound it even at 5%, which would be fairly average 6% in the Australian stock market. Listen, by, by the time you're 40, buddy, that 10 grand will be 200,000. Do you still want to take your 10 grand out now? Part of it is the psychology of time, which is, man, that is so far in the future, I don't know what's gonna happen. And it's like, yeah, but don't think it's all gonna be roses. Because what if you get there and go, gee, I really wish I hadn't have bought that motorbike.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I guess we were all young once and I can well empathize with that line, yeah, of, line yeah. of view. But yeah, I know what you're saying. That's where you need coaching, as we say, is
1: to kids to say, listen, you know, this is this is a, um, what do they call it? It's a marathon, not a sprint, you know? And, and the more you marathon, that, you know, the more you'll end up with, which conversely, Pete, means you'll retire earlier because you were better off. You you did pay attention from 20 to 40, and so you'll be able to retire earlier because you've actually got more money or you'll live a better lifestyle because you've got more money.
0: Yeah, I think it was um, Scott Pape who showed in the Barefoot Investor. Uh, I couldn't remember the numbers, but uh, simply by investing in funds with lower fees, you wouldn't think it would make that much difference, mm. you know, half a percent here, one percent there. But over the lifetime, um, if you're, you know, an adult in the labour force for 40 years, I mean, that could make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, two, two dollars to three hundred thousand. And I think um, it was Alan, Alan Kohler did a couple of articles on this years ago, yep. which said one of the flaws of, um, you know, we talk about the three Cs, cost, choice and control. One of yep. the flaws of the super fund industry is that, uh, you know, if you, as your superannuation balance grows, well, one percent of fifty thousand doesn't seem like too uh, punitive a fee, but then you know you grow the fund and it becomes a hundred thousand, suddenly the fee's gone up, but as, the, as and the they haven't done goes, anything extra for it. <laughs> no, because it's a very scalable industry. <laughs> well it's and...
1: a bit it's a bit stiff to say I didn't do much and yet the fee went up in percentage terms, and the index went up twenty percent. Guess what? your portfolio went up you know eighteen because you've got other assets that didn't perform as well. And by the way, I'm taking a bigger cut. It's a bit like, well, hang on, what did you do that, you know, shouldn't you take a cut if you'd give me Warren Buffett-like returns? Yeah, That's it's not
0: really what you want to pay for. Yeah, it's not just the fees themselves that hurt. It's actually, it's the compound <coughs> growth that is not allowed to flourish as a result of the fees. That's how... Um, those seemingly innocuous uh, half a percent here or there can yeah. turn into hundreds of thousands. In the footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or, yes, other other costs, you know, uh, market impact and bid-ask spreads and, you know, all of the, yep. the transaction costs and taxes that come along with uh, rebalancing within the funds. So let's just talk a little bit about um, self-managed superannuation at different ages, because Presumably, an investment strategy at age 25, as you already mentioned there, might be different from somebody who's 60 and planning to retire next year. And I know another thing that's related to that, something that we have talked about before, is uh, investing in companies as a wealth three type investment. So two different questions there for us to cover off. So strategy at different ages and stages in life. Look, you know, with anything, the earlier you hit it,
1: the better it is. It's just as you get older, as with what you alluded to before with, you know, Kelly, that the idea is you wanna take more risk off the table. And the only way to do that as you get older is to make sure that you make a bucket load of money on the way there. So, you know, if you're you know, let's say sixty and you're a you're a late comer or you're not a high income earner and you've got you've got super of, I don't know, two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand and you're gonna retire, it's it's you know, if you're looking at life and going, mm, that's not going to allow me that good a lifestyle, then you tend to sort of go, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm getting a, I had good returns last year. I'll be all right again this year, so I'll keep it all in there. Whereas if you're young, you can, it, I mean, the benefit of being young is you can be stupid and still recover because you've got time on your side, you know. And Again, it's like, you know, it's, it's that point of, about saying, and what's the risk at where I am in my at where I am in my life? As you get older, it's really, really important, even if you said, you know, oh Pete, I don't want to do all that self-managed super fund. I don't like it, that's fine. But for God's sake, at least learn something about what's going on in your superannuation. Because there's plenty of people I deal with that I just sort of think, ah, oh, geez, you know, you look at the fees, and the other thing that strikes me is that they have couples and they, they're both in exactly the same fund. And paying twice the fee. Well, yeah, yeah but, so but also, to, you know, in some senses it would be a bit like, well, if I'm in stocks, I know there is the issue about, you know, marriages and all that, what happens, but the reality should be that if you're working together as a couple, you'd sort of say, well, look, you have the property and I'll have the stocks and that way we've got a bit of diversification and, if the, look, if things get ugly in stocks, we still got the property right so that's good but what you find is a lot of the time or what I've found is with a lot of couples when you look at their superannuation portfolios they're exactly the same and so like you say you've got double the fees but you've got double the risk you know so instead of saying "Ah, oh, you know stocks had a crummy year oh that's all right the property did really well for us oh that's good you know what you find is you go god we've had a really bad year because you know you're both in the same stocks yeah and I
0: think, where- a, I think that's a
1: bit I think that's Dangerous, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, and that's where having a coherent overall strategy comes in. You yeah, know, because yeah. Because uh, asset classes all have their own cycles. So key, uh, some key takeaways there. Get educated about what you know. What is actually happening with your pension? If you choose to self-manage, you can benefit from the three Cs: cost, choice, and control. Absolutely. And yep. even just the learning process of learning to manage your own money. I sometimes hear people say. Uh, well, if you if you retire at 60, I mean, you might live until you're 100 and therefore, you know, you shouldn't take money off, you should just hold stocks forever. I suppose a different way to look at that, though, is that if you've got potentially a longer time frame. well, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be 100% invested all the time. If markets are valued above their long-run average, then why not take some risk off? It's not like you'll never get an opportunity to invest yeah, those yeah. funds again.
1: Yep, I and think it's, a, the, you know, as we mentioned, ding in our book, there's the plug. High rates, low returns. The biggest furphy I find is was it low rates, high returns? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. <laughs> wait, till, wait till inflation kicks in. <laughs> um, what um, what we what we're trying to do there is say to people, excuse me if I plug the slogan. It's not that hard, honestly. Is it's not that difficult. You know, the a lot of the stuff is. Basically saying, oh, money's really difficult and therefore you should give it to someone who knows what they're doing. Okay, I don't have a problem with that, but I've got a master's degree, you've got an accounting degree, so, you know, it's not as if I was a genius, I just went somewhere and learnt about it. So, in that, what I'm saying is, if you're you're sufficiently motivated to learn, you'll come to the same point of view where you go, you know, like people in our course say, oh, this is not that hard, is it? And it's like, no, it's not that hard. And I understand everybody's got to have a job and make an income, but there's a lot of language that, you know, lawyers use, that doctors use, that, you know, stockbrokers use, that generally you don't understand. But if you actually look them up, you go, oh, is that all return on equity is? Or, oh, is that all, you know, the earnings yield is? And so it's actually not that difficult to learn about it. Nobody comes into the world as an expert in stocks. Everybody learns about them. There's no, you know, investing gene where you go, oh, I can never do stocks. Everybody can do it. It's just a matter of what your motivation is. And with super, a lot of the responsibility is what you're paying for. But you can't say, I expect really great returns if you're not paying attention, because in a lot of ways, If you're looking for really great returns, well, you've got to pay attention to the fund managers or, you know, what's performing in asset classes. So you've got to take an interest anyway. If you don't, well, you'll end up with average returns. That's the way, you know, that's
0: the way the world works. Yeah, as I think we've mentioned uh, many times, the the longer you hold some investments, well, the the closer to the average they're going to be. Uh, Certainly, I think in my personal journey, because the super was never a big part of the pie for me. The, the main benefit I took away from it was actually just learning and gaining confidence in managing a pool of money for myself, which yeah. was a skill set that I could then translate into my Well One investment pool and Well Two, because I'd learned some skills and I had the confidence to do it. Um, and then you can translate those skills across.
1: I can tell you at 57, if I knew at 27 what I know now, I'd probably be as bloody three times as wealthy because I wouldn't have <laughs> wasted it all. But, you know, that's part of the, the, the idea of getting older and getting wisdom. The, the unfortunate part is where you get old and you go, and I didn't, I haven't got enough money to live the lifestyle I want to live. That's when life becomes a little bit miserable. And, you know, you can go, like you were saying before, you can, you can recover at 25 and go, won't be doing that again. Even 35 or 40 but you get to 55 and older, it, you know, you can't simply say, oh, well, that's all right. I'll just keep putting money into the market and I'll recover from that 40% drop. It's like, that's not the way it happens.
0: You know, you got to pay attention. It is interesting. I've, um, I get people phone me up all the time and say, I'm interested in doing your coaching program. And then they um, they, they sort of give me a bit of an overview of their situation. And then they say, oh, he knows. I'm a bit embarrassed to tell you this but in in 2005 we did this uh, we you know invested in stamps or you know yep. numismatics or a property in a mining town and da, da, da. and I, I always say to people look I've been coaching since 2011 nobody has ever come to me and said well everything went perfectly <laughs> and um, that's why I am here. <laughs> yeah that's right it's just not the way the world works yeah, and yeah. and we can sometimes uh, uh, we talk about statistics over stories but we we often and have this ability in life to sort of weave a narrative backwards and yes. say well what I should have done was this this yeah. and this but if it was that obvious at the time we all would have I think <laughs> my dad used to have a phrase um, you know if life was easy we'd all be heroes and I think yeah. you know th- there's a lot in that and uh, absolutely all you can do is say right this is the current situation I'll learn fr- I'll take the good bits and, and bring those forward I'll learn from what didn't work out Yep. and just rationalise and just look forward. I mean, nobody goes through life making 100% great decisions. Yeah, yeah. And um, but obviously, superannuation and self-managing and super. Well, your pension is important, so it is pretty important if you're going to self-manage. You don't balls it up. Yeah, especially as I said, as you get older, you know the
1: the hardest part is you know like I was saying before, you know, young guys. I'm hearing stories. You know, young guys withdrawing ten from their ten thousand from their super and buying motorbikes. And it's like, oh God, you know, like, it's you. You wish you could get to him and say, listen, mate, just let me. You know, um, what was that movie where they went forward in time? I can't remember. Um, uh, it's a Wonderful Life. You know, where he 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 he's thinking about suicide and they show him what his life is like if he wasn't there. You know, and it it, it it's miserable for everybody. You know, and he then shows how important it is if he is there. And it's really like that. It's like, and that's always the tricky bit, you know, is saying to yourself, I'm going to be a different person at 60 than I am at 25. But the problem is at 25, you've got to make a decision with this huge amount of uncertainty in it. But I can tell you at 57, it's really, really important that you at least have enough money to go You know, I'm at least okay financially because a lot of the stress falls away if you can, you know, whether you want to live a prudent lifestyle or whether you want to live a opulent lifestyle, if you've got enough money, it takes away a lot of pain and stress and drama that a lot of people suffer because of the financial problems.
0: Yeah, so money can't solve all of your problems, but it solves a lot of them. it's nice to turn up to your problems in a Mercedes, as they say. I think it was
1: Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart said, "I've been what is it? I've been poor and happy, and I've been rich and happy, and I prefer rich and happy."
0: Yeah, my dad was a big Rod Stewart fan. Uh, yeah. Actually, you've just reminded me. I will close on this point um in terms of big mistakes in super. Um, this is it's it's definitely declined as a as sector of the industry, but it was a really big thing through the property boom and that's you go to these uh home buyer shows and there's people there you know the white shoe brigade saying oh you know have you got any superannuation and then they they try to shoehorn people into house and land packages yes. in uh, you know western Gympie or you know who knows what it's, it's often it's always new property because yeah. people taking kickbacks and they they uh, position themselves as one-stop shop. So I don't, you know, we'll work out the mortgage. We're, we'll sort you out with the developer. Fee
1: upon fee upon
0: fee. Yeah, that's right. And the hidden fee is usually a commission from the developer of 6% or 8%. And um, it's heartbreaking to see people drawn into that because um, the, the the only person who profits in that situation is the, uh, the white shoe yeah. <laughs> merchant who's made the sale. And you often find in 10 or 15 years, the property isn't worth... Uh, what you thought it would be it's Absolutely. often worth less because it's no longer well, what in, they
1: told you to be
0: worth yeah the newness premium has gone away and it, it's actually um, it's scandalous some of the stuff that people put out there in terms of you know projected growth and it's like okay well you know that that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> really work out on the new property particularly away from the major conurbation so uh, I, I think I mean it's glad to say actually it's a less common thing these days in self-managed super people still get sucked in outside of their super, but for self-managed superannuation, that's generally just a really bad idea, unless you really know what you're doing. So we'll close on that. So um, today we've talked about how to take charge and manage your own superannuation, if that's a path you want to go down. Obviously, it's an important thing. This is just general uh, statements and general talk today, not specific advice, but if you're going to do it, uh, make sure you do it properly. So thanks for joining today. We look forward to seeing you next week. See you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to know more, you can download a free chapter and extra bonuses from our new book, Low Rates, High Returns. Just visit www.lowrateshighreturns.com forward slash book to download your free copy. The things we've discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. And we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Stephen and I are both on LinkedIn and Twitter, so do reach out and connect with us. And finally, it'd be great if you could subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps others to find the show. Now take care and invest wisely. Cheers.